tell you this, I, 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 I may offend you before it's over with, but it won't be intentional, it'll be through the word. But I, I hope that we understand that while we celebrate Christmas and while we look to the, to the cross, while we look to a cradle, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, His coming again won't be good for you. His coming again won't be good for you. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture, a couple of passages of Scriptures. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter number 2, and then we'll be in Luke chapter number 2. If you can find both of those, put your little mark in there, put your finger in there. We'll read a few verses out of each, and I want to talk about some folks that encountered some characters around the birth of Christ. We're going to look at them and just for a few moments, and uh, we'll get you out of here. But thank you so much. I, the mayor of Lake Park is here, and uh, Miss Gina's back there. And we sure appreciate you being here, Miss Gina. Thank you so much for being with us. Visitors, thank you for being with us. If you found your place in Matthew chapter number two, I want you to say amen. amen. Should be a familiar passage of scripture, especially around this time of year. But we're going to read just for a little bit, a few verses, 12 in the first, uh, in Matthew, we might read 13, and then we'll flip over to Luke chapter number two and read a few verses over there. But the Bible tells us around the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter number two, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Let me say this. He had no intentions of worshiping him. Can I say this? There's a lot of people that give lip service to the Lord. There's a lot of people that give lip service to scripture. There's a lot of people that are in one mouth, in one breath, they're, they're praising God. In the next breath, they're cursing everybody around him and everybody in their presence. In one hand, they're talking about their salvation. And the next time, they're talking about what they're going to do that's far from salvation. He says, I want to come and I want to worship him also. Verse number nine. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him, or unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own uh, country another way. I'm going to look down in verse number 16 because that didn't end there. See, the wise men came, the magi came. And let me just clear up some, some things about the Bible here. One, uh, the magi did not come and see J Jesus laying in a manger. Uh, he wasn't wrapped in swaddling clothes at this time. The Bible tells us that Herod inquired about the time that they seen the star. And he used that to 
to, as a basis as to what age of children to kill, which is in verse number 16. We'll be there in just a few moments. But in verse number 16, he had all the children of Bethlehem, two years of age and under, killed. Why? Because the Magi told him that the star appeared unto them about the span of two years prior to this. All right. So when they came to Bethlehem and they found Jesus, they found him, according to Scripture here, as a young child. And they found Mary, they found Joseph, and they found this young child, and they offered gifts. Another, another thing to clear up about the Bible here is the Magi wasn't just three people. They offered, all right, three gifts, but more than likely, as you read and you study the culture and these magi, they would have uh, 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 traveled in caravans. So it could have been upwards of 100 to 200 people that showed up in Bethlehem, chase, or not chasing, but following this star, this sign that was presented unto them. In Matthew chapter number 2 and verse number 16, we see how Herod responded when the wise men, did not come back to him to let him know that Jesus had been born and where Jesus was. The Bible says in Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he uh, had diligently inquired of the wise men. And so um, we see uh, a character here in the king, King Herod. We see the characters here of the wise men or the magi. I want you to remember this because as we go through the sermon this morning, we're going to try to identify who we are. Everybody wanted to have an encounter with Jesus, but we're going to try to identify who we are in the story. Is everybody all right? As we look at this this morning, we have met the king, all right, King Herod, and we see what he is capable of. We see who he really is, and we have met the Magi up until this point. Now, let's go over to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter number 2, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 7, if we can. The Bible says this, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, look here, because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for them in the inn. We met another person of interest. This is the innkeeper. Is everybody with me? We've met the king, we've met the magi, and we have met... The innkeeper. The Bible tells us about the innkeeper that there was no room in the inn. And so therefore, Mary and Joseph were uh, uh, confined to a barn, uh, if you will. More than likely, uh, go back to biblical times, it would have been a cave that they would have went into. A cave that was used for a specific reason. And that would have been uh, for the animals, for uh, more specifically, as we studied last week, uh, uh, of the lambs. As we look at this tonight or today, let's go to verse number 8 because there's some other folks. The Bible says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, oh, I need somebody to help me, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger." As we look at this this morning, as we look at these two passages of Scripture, these individuals, these persons of interest, I want to look at them a little more if we can. I want to look at the king this morning. I want to look at uh, the magi this morning or the wise men. I want to look at, uh, if we can, the innkeeper for just a little bit this morning. And we want to look at the shepherds and, according to Scripture here, all people. All right? I, how 
how many of you know this? A baby changes things. Can I get a witness right there? So I turn 49 years old tomorrow, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to that. It's my last time at, at, before I hit uh, uh, the big humongous 5-0. Is everybody all right? Is everybody, is everybody okay? Uh, uh, but anyhow, uh, uh, my wife has already, uh, anyhow, let me go on. <laughs> but and, and <laughs> that's a joke here. To, all right. So anyhow, my wife was older than me when I got married, when I married her. I was 18 years old when we got married. Uh, you can do the math on that. We just celebrated 30 years. Uh, uh, next year will be our 31st uh, year of marriage. But uh, uh, anyhow, me and Michelle got married back in 1993, and uh, man, I, I, I still love my wife very much. She is, I, I mean, uh, besides Jesus, and I always have to say that, right, uh, because Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me, but I'm telling you what, my wife, she ranks right up there below him. Is everybody with me? And she has been wonderful, but a baby changed things, right? So when I, me and Michelle first got married, I was 18 years old, and I was about as wild as you could get. Matter of fact, if you've heard my testimony, you know that my wife spent more time babysitting me than she did as my wife, all right? I, 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 I like to party. I like to do things that I had no business doing, and I enjoyed making other people or getting other people to do that with me, all right? I never could get her to do any of it. She wouldn't drink. She wouldn't cut. My wife's like the perfect person. Is everybody all right? Does anybody know what it's like to live with the perfect person? <laughs> hey, it went, oh, hey, he was quick. It was good. I, you want me to, I won't tell you who done that, but he started up with his hand and he was like, oh, and uh, anyhow, uh, so my wife, she never would do any of that stuff and I, I was as wild as I could get and I did things that she tolerated, she put up with. And a matter of fact, uh, a lot of our life, and she would give you that testimony, and even her family would give you this testimony, a lot of my time and her time together in our early marriage was she making sure I didn't die because I was doing stupid things, all right? And, uh, and anyhow, but 27 years ago, me and my wife had our first child, and it changed everything, right? Somebody help me. Amen. 1996, that ugly, that ugly kid that was singing up there this morning, he was born. And things changed around the house. I like to smoke cigarettes. But things changed when the baby came. I need somebody to help me. Miss Perfection that always tolerated everything wasn't tolerating nobody smoking around her baby. Is everybody all right? So I quit smoking. I said, I'll fix this. I'll smoke cigars. Is everybody all right? And I like cigars. That's what my gift from my parents for my graduation was a, was a Cuban cigar. I was, I was happy with that. It didn't bother me. I'd do it outside. I didn't have to. I, so I went to that. Mm-mm. Couldn't do that either. I like to chew tobacco. Is everybody all right? I, I, hey, listen, I was an equal opportunity when it comes to tobacco, all right? <laughs> Uh, and if I get to heaven and find out that it was all right, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm whooping everybody in heaven. <laughs> I miss that more than anything in the world. I, right now, I can put it, mm, y'all, y'all just don't know. <clears throat> y'all don't know the self-control that it takes to uh, go through life without tobacco. But anyhow, if I get to heaven and find out, I'm telling you, I'm whooping every preacher that ever preached on against it, all right? But anyhow, I, I, things changed. My, Michelle said, mm, you ain't doing that no more. The beer. Mm. Wasn't coming in the house no more. Come on, y'all, help me. Amen. Man, I had them parties on Friday night. It wasn't happening at the house anymore. Why? Because a baby changes things. That second baby changed things even more. She's not here this morning. She's not feeling good. But Kaylin, she sings in the choir. And man, she came and things changed. Because with Dalton, see, with a boy, I need somebody, I need a daddy to help me. You got to raise a boy to be a man. And so I was very rough on Dalton. Dalton was like, Dalton, he... He was like my military. I could holler Dalton, and then I'm talking about within a minute, he'd be standing in front of me at attention saying, yes, sir. Right? I beat that youngin. Is everybody all right? <laughs> say, everybody tell me, say, Dalton's such a good kid. Yeah, because he got beat to death when he was a kid. So he was one of them. Dalton was the one that got beat all the time. And then KK come. I need somebody to help me. It's different with a girl. <laughs> 
It's different with a girl. That whole, hey, it hurt me more than it hurt, or it hurts me more than it hurts you. It, it, you know, it's true with the girl. With the boy, I'm just doing it wrong, right? If it hurts me more than it hurts him, I'm just doing it wrong. But with the girl, man, it'd break your heart to have to whip young and whip your, whip your baby girl. And so the baby changes things. Then Zachary came along. He changed things too because when Zachary came along, I told Michelle, we're done. <laughs> done. Done. We're done. He was a good baby. <laughs> uh, but, but we were done. A baby changes things. And this babe in Bethlehem changed things. Is everybody with me? It changes things. It changes, not only did it change things back in biblical times, not only did it change things back in Bethlehem and back in Jerusalem, but it changes things now. That's right. Tomorrow, uh, Christmas Day, we'll celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. I always have somebody ask me, was Jesus born on Christmas Day? Who cares? We're taking a time and we're celebrating that He was born. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't need a birth certificate to prove that Jesus was born. Is everybody here? I just got a time that we celebrate that Jesus was born. Because that's what's important. Is everybody all right? But a babe changes things. I want to look at these characters. I want to look at these persons of interest if we can. And I want to see where you and I fit into this. Because a babe changes things, and a babe changes things in your life. A lot of this sermon is going to be directed towards those of us that are saved. Some of it will be directed to those that maybe don't know Christ as their personal Savior. But a lot of it, see, y'all were thinking y'all were just going to come in here, hear a salvation message that did nothing for you, and you were going to get to go out all happy and enjoy Christmas. It ain't happening. All right, let's get started. I want you to look at just a few people, if you will, as we look at this. I want you to start off with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter number 2. And we're going to look at the king. And I want to put this, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. For the wretched, this baby, he is competition. For the wretched, he is competition. Now, for most of us, we look back in our lives and we say, what does wretched mean? It means a wicked, evil person. No, not exactly. What it actually means is somebody that's unhappy, unfortunate state or circumstances or someone who is miserable. Can I say this? There's a lot of Christians today that are living a miserable life. They're living a miserable life and they're not real sure their uncertainty of their life and they're unstable in their thinking and they're unhappy with their life. Maybe that's you this morning. As we look at this, I'm talking about the king here and he was, he is our wretched person, if you will. Our person that is unhappy, that is unfulfilled, that is unfortunate, that is miserable in life. And to him, Jesus is competition. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're in that state. Maybe you are in those circumstances and you, uh, Jesus, is in competition for you. Is everybody all right? We can go back to the book of 1 Samuel and we can look at two kings back in 1 Samuel. We can look at King Saul in 1 Samuel and then we can see King David. King Saul was elected or chosen by God and he was approved by the people. But the Bible tells us that God anointed, uh, had Samuel anoint. David to be king and the Bible tells us that the old king didn't like the new king y'all staying with me the truth of the matter is there's a lot of people today that are calling themselves Christians don't like the new king don't like the new king they're unhappy in their situation they're unhappy in their circumstances and they want to be king over their lives And they're willing to make sure that Jesus never sits on the throne. Oh, come on, stay with me. I know it's not fun, but stay with me. See, we live our lives as though Jesus is competition. There's some of you that know that Jesus needs to be first in your life, but by Jesus being first in your life, that means you come in second and you can't handle that. You can't handle that. You can't handle somebody else sitting on the throne. You can't handle somebody else dictating how your life should be. You're not, you can't handle those things. And so while you pay lip service as 
King Herod did, the truth is, is that in your heart, you're not willing to give him the throne. Oh, I'm having fun this morning. I wonder if there's somebody in here, be honest with the preacher and say, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't even look. Don't even look sideways. It's like an auction in here, all right? I wonder how many of you be honest and say, preacher, I've not allowed God to be the king. I've not, not allowed God to sit on the throne. See, this king, this, this king Herod, we notice his position. He was a king. We notice his condition. The Bible tells us in verse number three that he was troubled. We notice his manipulation. He tried to get the wise men to figure everything out for him. But then we notice his elimination. He wanted to get rid of what would sit on that throne after him. The question is, are you the wretched man today? Are you still trying to control things and be king? Are you still not willing to let the baby change things? Everybody all right? For the wretched, he is competition. I want you to notice in Luke chapter number 2, we're going to flip back and forth. Is everybody all right? I couldn't figure out how to put them in order where I'd liked it, so we're just going to flip back in two. In Luke chapter number 2, we're going to look at somebody else. Everybody with me? We're going to look at the wearied. We're going to look at the wearied. This is the innkeeper. See, the innkeeper, he had a job. Is everybody all right? He had a business, and he had to, he had to provide for the community. He had to provide for the people. And he was very busy in doing this. The Bible tells us that there was no room in the inn. Verse number 7. The Bible tells us, Luke chapter number 2, verse number 7, if you can get there for us, the Bible tells us that there was no room because there was no room in the inn. And so we see this wearied man, if you will, this wearied man uh, to, the, to the king. We see uh, uh, this, uh, uh, the, the wretched man and Jesus, this babe, is competition. But to the wearied man, this babe is a challenge. He's a challenge because this man has a job. He has a business that he has to take care of, and he's very busy in doing so. But the problem is, is that he blundered. Is everybody all right? Let me explain. There's many today that you go about your business and you have things to do. You have things that are required of you. And you've gotten caught up and so busy that you don't have any place for Jesus. I mean, let's just be honest about it. Between family, you got to make sure the kids get to all the ball games. I knew, I, y'all, I, I need somebody that, that ain't mad at me right now to say amen. Amen. Y'all lying, all right? I, I know there ain't that many people that ain't mad at me, all right? Man, I grew up, and, and, and many of you did, I had, to, I had to choose one sport that I could play. That was it. I chose football. I had an uncle that was a Marine. I mean, he was as strict as you could get, and he coached football, and he was a legend back in our, back in our hometown as far as Little League football. I mean, he had more undefeated teams, and the reason being, he'd have us out there doing sit-ups. We did 200 sit-ups before practice. I mean, hey, you might be faster than us. You might be better than us and everything else. But in the fourth quarter, man, we'd already, we were just getting started for practice. Is everybody all right? Amen. I mean, we just whooped people. We just manhandled people. We beat people. But that was the only sport that I could play. My parents couldn't run me around all over the place. Brother Johnny, I can remember getting out of, out of uh, uh, football practice and, and, man, football practice would be over at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, and I can remember sitting at Glen Academy downtown. I'm talking about in a rough part of town waiting for my mama to get off work at 8.30 so she could come pick me up. Amen. Nowadays we got, come on. Yeah. yeah. She showed up in a Bonneville. Y'all anybody remember what a Bonneville was? <laughs> She show up in a Bonneville, a Burgundy Bonneville. She show up there to pick me up in a Burgundy Bonneville. Hey, that was after she got rid of the Pacer. Does anybody remember that one? Praise <laughs> God. Nowadays, these people are driving around $100,000 cars and picking up their young and running from here to there to yonder. Is everybody all right? And what we've done, come on, come on, help me. What we've done is just like the innkeeper. We've gotten so busy with life that we have no room right. for Jesus. Mm. 
they called you tomorrow and told you there was a practice tomorrow, you'd be there. I would not. It's Christmas. I didn't seen this game. Is everybody all right? I done seen too many practices on Sunday, too many games on Sunday to know that your priorities aren't. What we've done, is everybody all right? Stay with me. A lot of us are like the innkeeper. We're wearied. We're working. We're hard at it. We're busy. We're staying busy. We're staying doing things. But we've become so distracted that we have no room. For Jesus in our life. It's scary. I'm going to let you think on it for a few minutes. I'm going to let it cook for a few minutes. Because the truth is, is that many of us, I can't identify with this. We come to church on Sunday, and that's great. We come to church on Wednesday when we can, and that's wonderful. But the truth is, if we really evaluated our life, the only time that Jesus has any part of it is at a church service. Because we're so busy that we have no room for him. Is everybody all right? Amen. The wearied. For, for the wretched, he is competition. Amen. For the wearied, he is a challenge. Yeah. And the challenge this year is to make room Amen. for Jesus. Amen. I wonder how many of you, be honest with a preacher this morning and say, Preacher, I have failed many times over, this cor- over the course of this last year in making room for Jesus. We all have. Hey, listen here. This pre- we all have. I'm not preaching at you. I- I'm telling you, this is, this is something in my heart. This is something in my life. You know what? Let me go ahead and tell you something else. That wretched man, I've seen him in my mirror too. I've seen that wretched man in my mirror many a morning. When I wanted to do things my way instead of God's way. I've seen that wearied man many a morning in the the mirror. When I'm so busy and I ain't even got time for a devotion. I ain't even got time to read my Bible. I don't even have time for prayer. And I find myself running out the door and going about my business as if Jesus doesn't even exist. And then coming to church and raising my hands and saying, he's all I need. Come on, y'all, help me now. For the weary, for the weary, he's a challenge. And I challenge you this morning, make room in your life for Jesus. Everybody with me? For the wise man. Let me see, I got to get back to my mind here. So for the wretched, he is competition. For the weary, uh, we see that he is a challenge. But for the wise man, oh, this is good. Is everybody, y'all writing notes? Are y'all writing notes? This is good. For the wise man, he's a compass. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right. For a wise man, he's a compass. Now, well, let's go back to Matthew chapter number two. So we go back to Matthew chapter number two. We meet the wise men. And the wise men come to see Jesus, this babe. Why? Because there was a sign. What was the sign? It was a star. Right? And so they navigated through life based off of the scripture, based off of the star or the sign. Is everybody with me? These men, these wise men, they sought Jesus, and to him, they were, he was a compass. Now, a compass, I don't know how many of y'all know about this. I love to coon hunt, and I, I used to do it till I came here. And, and uh, anyhow, I got, I got rid of my coon dogs, uh, um, I don't know, several years ago and got bird dogs. And uh, I don't know if what's cheaper, but anyhow, I, I, I love to coon hunt. I used to competition coon hunt, and I'd go all over the place. And when I started off coon hunting, we didn't have GPSs. That's right. Is everybody all right? I got one now that, that it'll tell me where my dog's at, and it'll show me a map. And if I see a road and my dog's closer to that road, I can drip in my truck and drive around to where that dog is. Is everybody all right? And make my walk a lot shorter. But when I first started coon hunting, I need somebody that, that, that understands. When I first started coon hunting, you'd hear that dog out there, hoo, 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 and you'd this was your antenna. Is everybody all right? 
Everybody all right? And me be way out there. See, we got all this stuff now, and it tells us he's a mile away, and you're like, Lord, help me, Jesus. Back then, it was like, I don't know how far he is, but he's that way. Is everybody all right? And we would pull a compass. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what. You only took one time you're not pulling that compass, and you'd pull it every time after that. Is everybody all right? You pull that compass, and you would get a reading on where he was at. And I would walk towards that dog, knowing, children, that when I got then, I had to walk the opposite way to get back to my truck. Is everybody all right? That compass was used to tell me how to direct me, to tell me how to get back where I needed to be. To the wise man, Jesus is a compass. You know how a compass works? A compass works, it points north. It doesn't point east, it doesn't point west, it doesn't point south, it points in one direction. And everything else is based off of north. As long as you know where north is, is everybody right? right? You know where east is, you know where west is, you know where south is. As long as you know, come on, y'all, help me now. To the wise man, Jesus, this babe, he's a compass. He's the one constant in their life. That's right. I'm going to go say it over on this side. Y'all stay right there. For the wise man, Jesus is the one constant in their life. Where they go in life is based off of where he is. So many of us have looked in the mirror and not seen the wise man. Come on, y'all. Man, I've been in the woods many a night and got off too far that away. Too far that away. Got turned around. Somebody help me now. The truth is, is that when we try to do things on our own, we'll get off course. For a wise man, the babe, he changes things because he is a constant. He never changes. I I need a husband and I need a daddy to listen to me and listen good. You and I are to lead our families. You and I are to lead our wives. We are to lead our children. But there's too many out there that are leading them wandering around. Just hoping that they'll run into a road and figure out how to get back. I need y'all better help me. But if you'll ever learn how to line your life up with Christ as your compass, then everything else will fall into place. For the wise man, he is a compass for us. He is a a true north, if you will. He is a constant in our lives. And if you and I will follow after Christ, we'll lead others to him as well. Who are you this morning? Are you the wretched man? I ain't talking about a wicked and evil man. And I know that's what King Herod was. But we're talking about a man that's unhappy, a man that's unsettled, a man that that just ain't got it all figured out and just discontent. Won't you let him be king of your life? Maybe you're wearied this morning. Say, preacher, I'm wore out. My youngins are wearing me out. I'm having to run here. I'm having to run there. My job is taking me here. My job is taking me there. I got to spend time with my wife. And let's, I need everybody to hear me right here. She is your first ministry. Amen. Got to take time for her. I got to take time for the kids. Preacher, I got to take time for this. Seems like we in church all the time. You in church two hours a week? Well, three if you come here. All right, I'm sorry. And, uh, Jake sings a little bit longer. I'd, be, I'd have you out of here, all right? <sighs> But, but three hours a week you come to church and then you complain about you have to go to church too much. Maybe you need to change your priorities. Maybe you're too wearied. Maybe you've not made room for Jesus. Maybe you can see yourself as a wise man, but many times you don't see yourself as a wise man. 
You're not allowing God to be the compass, allowing God to lead your life. And you're wandering around. And you're trying to figure out where is this constant? Where is something that I can, I can trust and I can believe in? But I want to introduce you to our last person of interest, and this is the world. See, the Bible says that these angels came to the shepherds, and they told them that of a baby that would be born in Bethlehem. And they said that he would be a savior, and the Bible says, to all the world. To all the people. To all the people. To the world. See, to the world, he is the Christ. And I know that confused some of y'all because y'all thought that was his name. <laughs> but his last name ain't Christ. That was a title. His name was Emmanuel. His name was Jesus. His last name wasn't Christ. I don't know what his last name is, so please don't come ask me after church. Amen. But the word Christ, it means the anointed. It means the Messiah. And that's exactly who Jesus was. He was a Savior to the whole world. Whether you're wicked, whether you're wretched, whether you're wearied, whether you're wandering, whether you're a wise man, He came to die for you. To the world, He is the Christ, the Messiah. Born in Bethlehem, prophesied 722 years before He was born by the prophet Micah. Micah said that in Bethlehem would be born a ruler over Israel, a governor. That same prophet, or Isaiah, back in Isaiah, Isaiah 53 tells us that he would come, that he would suffer, that he would die as a lamb brought before shears. The Bible says he opened not his mouth. As a lamb brought to the slaughter, the Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. The Bible tells us that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. See, for the world, he is the way. Jesus said, verily I say unto you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. I need somebody to hear me this morning. I don't care what denomination you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what your belief system is. You need to know what the Messiah, the Savior of the world said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. There's no other way. There's no other way. Listen to me. There's no other way. It's not a Baptist way. We ain't coined this. We ain't, we ain't, it's, not a, it's not a Church of Christ way. It's not a Church of God way. It's not a Methodist way. He is the only way. Doesn't matter what the denomination says. It doesn't matter what their bylaws say. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that He came to die for you and I. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible identifies us as somebody who cannot get to God. We have fallen short. The Bible tells us that there's a penalty for that. The wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us there's a penalty for our sin we're all sinners and the Bible tells us there's a penalty for our sin for the wages of sin is death it's complete total separation from God but the verse doesn't end there <laughs> it says but the gift of God is eternal life <laughs> <laughs> hey, not through a denomination, not through a church, but through Jesus Christ. Right. 
Bible tells us that that babe, that babe was born Savior. The Bible tells us that God commendeth his love towards us. I need somebody to hear me this morning. God proved his love to you and I. And that while we were yet sinners, that baby, lived a perfect sinless life died on a cross for us God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us listen to me Listen to me, everybody look at me. I don't care if you got baptized. I'm tired of hearing I got baptized. I, if you don't you get baptized all you want, all you did was get wet. That's right. We don't we don't get baptized for regeneration. Is everybody all right? There's only one way to be saved, and that way is through Jesus Christ. For by faith or for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast getting a baptism all you're doing is getting wet you get a hold of Jesus it'll change your life it'll change your life say preacher I'm wretched it'll change your life preacher I'm weary it'll change your life preacher I'm wandering it'll change your life Bible says Jesus gave us a way. He told us there's a way. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy, heart, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Not the baptism. Everybody all right? Amen. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. The mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible goes on and says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. September 28, 1997, I walked into that church with a skull can in my back pocket, cigarettes over the visor of my truck, beer in the cooler in the back. Is everybody all right? Walked in, hated the church, couldn't stand it, parked at the front door because I had a tag on the truck that said, Get your heart in Dixie or get your out. Is everybody all right? Amen. I didn't say it. Y'all was worried about it, but I didn't say it. But y'all all thought it, so y'all need to be on the altar, all right? I parked it right in the front of the church, right at the door. Hey, man, there was only two doors. There was two doors. They come out, two glass doors. They come out of the church, and the first thing they had to look at was my truck. They go to the preacher and say, man, why don't you have him move that truck? Why you let him park out front? preacher said, I ain't messing with him. Is everybody all right? couldn't stand the church had a preacher rail on me when I was 17 years old in front of 400 people I never wanted to go back to church met a girl when I was 18 married her she loved the Lord prayed for me Amen. kept me associated with the church even though I didn't want to be there she got me to church that day September 28 1997 I sat in a service Unworthy. I sat in a service with all kind of sin weighing on me in my pockets, in my truck, everywhere around me. My whole life said, I don't need anybody. Amen. That morning a preacher preached and I didn't hear a word of it. I don't even know where he's preaching out of. God was speaking to me. God was speaking to me. I remember that morning as clear as day, God saying, this is it. This is your last chance. I've played with you. I've toyed with you. I've talked to you. I've, I've chased after you. I've pursued you for most of your life, if not all of your life, and you have rejected me over and over again. My heart was about to beat out of my chest. I didn't know what the preacher preached. I didn't even know if I was going to be right by going up there. I got up out of my seat and I walked down to the front. Preacher didn't even ask me why I was coming. <laughs> he said, I, I just hope you get saved and get that truck out of the front door. <laughs> that day God saved me. <laughs> that baby changed things. 
Not who I want to be. Not where I want to be. Still got a long way to go. How many have testified with me? God's still working on me. (laughs) To make me who I ought to be. Got a long way to go before I conform to the image of his dear son, but I'm barking on him. He's working on me. Because he changes things. morning you trying to do it on your own it'll never happen why don't you come this morning why don't you let God have you today that baby changed things heads bowed with me listen here you that wretched man you say preacher I have not let God have the throne of my life I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to find your place around the altar. Come on. Come on right now. Don't don't play around. Let's get serious with God. This is the last Sunday. It ain't the last Sunday of the year, but this is a Sunday where you and I can get our hearts right with God as we approach the new year. Maybe you say, I'm wearied, preacher. I'm that guy. I'm that innkeeper. I'm just like him. My life is just absolutely a mess. My schedule, I go from one event to the next. I'm constantly going. I feel like I'm being pulled in one direction and I'm being pulled in another direction. And preacher, if I got honest with you, I I just feel like I'm in the middle of a yo-yo and I don't even know where to go. There's been times in my life where I've not made room for Jesus. Come, Come to the altar. Come on, come on, come on, come to the altar. Maybe there's a daddy in here. Maybe there's a husband in here. You be real honest. Say, preacher, I'm trying to be a wise man. I'm trying to lead my family. I'm trying to lead my home. But preacher, more times than not, I find myself wandering. I find myself going in the wrong direction. Sometimes, preacher, it takes months. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes... Preacher, it takes years to get back on track. To get my heading back. Preacher, I need to do better next year. I need to do better in my life and allowing God to be a compass. Maybe you're in here this morning and you say, Preacher... There's never been a time in my life where I've been saved. There's never been a time in my life where I've met Christ, made a personal decision through faith in Him and been saved. Maybe say it like this, preacher, if I was to die right now, I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. I want to help you this morning. People are praying all around the altars and in their seats. I hope you realize that none of us are perfect. Our lives are just as flawed as others. There's many times that I make mistakes. There's many times that I do things that I I wish I'd never done. Like Paul said, those things that I would do, I don't. And the things that I wouldn't do or I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. We're not perfect. We're just forgiven. And this morning, while you fight a battle all by yourself and while you fight a battle alone because you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, those on the altar, those that are praying in their seats, They're fighting a battle with a companion, with a Savior who's a part of their lives, who, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit indwells us when we get saved. And it's through Him that you and I have the power to break the chains, the bondage of our past, the bondage of sin. If you're in here and say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, I want to give you an opportunity to be saved. The Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. 
Bible says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's Romans chapter number 10, verse 9 and verse number 10. Verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what that means to you? That means it does not matter what your past is. It means it does not matter what you have done, who you are, whosoever is you. God said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say, Preacher, you don't know what I did last night. I don't care what you did last night. Preacher, my life ain't, I ain't got everything together. Who does? Nobody. None of us do. That's why God said He proved His love. He, he, the Bible says He commended His love towards us. He proved it. And that while we were yet sinners, we didn't have to get all cleaned up, get everything right in our life before we came to Him. He is right. And we are wrong. We just come to Him with just as we are. There's none righteous. No, not one. But He is. And through Christ, you and I are made righteous. Not because of what we did. Because of what He did. You say, preacher, I'm not saved this morning. I wonder if you let me help you. Bible says to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Do you believe that Jesus came, was born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect, sinless life, went to a cross in Jerusalem, died for your sin? As the Bible says, do you believe that? You believe it in your heart. The Bible says you confess with your mouth. Say, preacher, I don't know how to do that. I'll try to help you the best way I can. But if you say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be. And I believe that Jesus came, was born, lived a perfect life, died a vicarious death for me. Was buried. Three days later, rose again. And one day is coming back. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the good tidings you believe that this morning I wonder if you'd pray something along the lines of this maybe you say our heavenly father pray it with me heavenly father I'm a sinner I come to you this morning lost wandering But I believe, are you praying? But I believe that your son Jesus came to this earth, born in Bethlehem, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross for me, was buried three days later power of God resurrected out of that grave I believe he's coming back for me Lord I ask you this morning the best way I know how to save me Lord I I give my life to you because you have given your life for me I ask you to save me be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray. Pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Head still.